This is Gerardo Del Real along with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 50 of Bizarro World, How Fast Things Turn. Hannon up over 150-something percent over the past couple of weeks. Advantage Lithium, a stock we talked about just last week, up 35-40% today. Abacus Mining and Exploration, a company that I asked subscribers to participate in a financing if they were accredited at a nickel with a full eight cent warrant trading at 12 to 13 cents today. I could go on and on. The bottom line is it looks like we have a market in the junior resource sector starting now. Nick, first off, how are you, sir? I am very well, um, not only well in general, but well rested. We're coming off a holiday week that only saw a couple of work days. Um, got to spend some time with my you know, kids and wife and in-laws, and um, I'm ready to get to this new year. Maybe we'll do a bit of um, reflecting today, but I'm certainly ready for the new year for um, some of the reasons you indicated. Resource stocks are starting to go up, which I was starting to doubt they had the capacity to do. How are you, Gerardo? I am excellent. Coming off a phenomenal Christmas. The wife still loves me. The kids are still listening. They still love me. We're all healthy. Um Excited for 2020, as 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 are you, obviously. And um, yeah, really looking forward to it. On a personal note, everything is great. I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Whatever you celebrate, if you don't celebrate anything, I hope the day was fantastic. And I hope everybody's taking the time to enjoy this time of the year. Um, outside of stocks, we're going to talk about the most recent church shooting and some of the dynamics that played out. This happened just outside of Dallas, about three hours where I live um, here in Austin. I want to talk about that. Um, in just a little bit, but before that, yeah, let's talk stocks. It's um, I don't think it's a coincidence that now that tax loss selling season is behind us, we're getting a bump in some of the better names. What is interesting to me is the veracity of the bump that we're getting because it didn't happen last year. Um, and frankly, it didn't happen the year before. And in 2016, when I launched uh, my first premium publication through the Outsider Club, of which Nick Hodge is the founder of um we had a head fake you know we 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 talked nick in january it took until may i believe may june to actually launch the first uh subscription newsletter that i write and by then <laughs> the gold market was already fizzing out that was basically the t the last top that we had right and and it's been frankly all downhill from there we've had some wins um but let's be honest it's been a tough couple of years in the resource sector so yeah the veracity of the move is really encouraging to me. Um, I'm curious to see what happens after the new year when everybody really starts paying attention. And hey, kudos to those of you that are out there shopping and have been shopping the last month or so. We've been banging the table on that, asking you and almost begging you if you're going to participate and speculate in this sector. Now is the time to do so. We've been saying this for a month, a month and a half. I've been telling subscribers, you have as well. We've been preaching it on this podcast. And so hopefully some of you were able to get in, you know, the, in, into companies like Hannon at a nickel, Advantage Lithium at 14 cents, you know, Abacus at four cents. Um, and there's other companies that I think are going to have similar moves here soon. And by the way, You've been very good, Nick, about saying let's not congratulate and pat ourselves on the back yet because a lot of those positions, despite the 100, 200% moves, are still down 20, 30, 40%, right? Well, that's true in, in some cases, uh, but even 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 in those that I was referring to when I made those statements, particularly Millrock Resources, it's now well above the last financing price it did of, of seven or seven and a half cents or whatever it was I wrote a check for a, a couple of months ago. And so that's exactly what I wanted to, to talk about. I still don't think it's time for congratulations, but um, I think it's time to um, cite real world examples to the theoretical things that we've spouted for the past year, right? Mm. You always hear us, you always hear us say, you got to stay in the market when it's, when it turns, you got to be in the market because the biggest gains come disproportionately early in the turning of the cycle. And we just say that and we say that and we say that and we say we're a broken record. And I start to tell you things like I'm chicken little and nobody believes me or like the boy who cried wolf, right? But now, um, some of those things are actually happening, right? Like Hannon is the perfect example that I wanted to talk about, right? We finance Hannon at whatever it was. I don't even remember at this point, 30 cents and then 20 cents and then 15 cents. And then as you said, it goes down to a nickel, five or six or seven cents. Um, in December, 
I'm completely underwater on my large position because I've written checks the whole way down, right? And I'm, <laughs> One and of I'm your larger positions. I recall you mentioning yeah. that to me when it was a nickel. And I'm yeah. like, fuck, sorry, Nick. I know I brought that one to you, but everything about it looks good. This new Peru land package looks good. Market didn't give a shit, right? Right. And I was even considering selling it at, uh, at a tax loss, getting out of my position. But then I start to see things like... Um, well, obviously the the land package in Peru and then copper starting to perk up and and Sprott and, and Rick Rule coming in to write a check. And so it starts to get a whiff of something good. And then literally, literally in three weeks, it goes from 77 cents to, to 22 cents, which is more than a, a three times increase. Right. On, on significant so, volume, by the way, that should be pointed out again, speaking to the, the intensity of the move right on significant volume. This hasn't been a 30,000 shares that took it up 300 percent. No, no, that wasn't the case. It's it's been it's been three, four, five, six hundred thousand shares a day for many days. And so it's important just to show in reality, I mean, literally in real time that um, what we say and what we preach does and can happen. And you mentioned um, Advantage Lithium. So let's talk about Advantage Lithium for a second. This is a stock that was at like 13 and a half cents, 14 cents in early December. And today it's trading at um, it hit a high, <laughs> yeah, it hit a high of 44 cents on over a million shares of volume, right? Um, and it was the stock so, that we mentioned last week. You should be doing due diligence on again, not to toot our own horn, but there is some real world applications to the stuff that we rant and rave about, especially on the stock side, right? If you're looking for actionable items uh, for your due diligence uh, advantage, I think at the end of the podcast last week, I said, look, you know, that's something where I think we're at a lithium bottom. I think the better names, the better deposits are going to start catching a bid. And it happened <laughs> all today, frankly, right? Again, like you mentioned over a couple of million shares um, up as much as 55% at one point it closed up 37 percent back to your point nick sorry to interrupt just wanted to provide a bit of context there i mean that's the point right and so when we say things like um you know our mentors and the smartest people we know in the resource space say things like their biggest wins or some of their biggest wins have come after being down more than 50 percent in the position that's not bullshit that's not fiction although it felt like it for a very long time you're now seeing it play um, out in real time. And the only other point I'd like to make is that we are still significantly, significantly early in the cycle. Gold has just now broken out of a six-year base. It still has technical levels to take out before it can go higher. You haven't missed much. You've missed a little bit, but it's still very early. And I think that's the only other point I wanted to make there. There are a lot of companies that have not had the type of move that we saw in a few of the names that we mentioned today. Um, I will give you some names, everybody, for you to do some more due diligence on. Um, <laughs> Midas Gold, I'm going to sound like a, like a broken record here, but Midas Gold is trading exactly where it traded two, three years ago. Um, that's an opportunity, folks. I mean, listen... They, <laughs> they have the absolute, let me rephrase it. Let me just, I, I don't even want to compare it. I was going to compare it to another company. I like this other company and its management team. I just think its market cap is rich compared to Midas Gold, but I don't want to do that to that company. So let me just say this. I believe Midas Gold is extremely undervalued. Um, I believe Midas Gold in this next cycle, and by that next cycle, I mean 2020, We'll see prices north of a buck fifty and 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 close to two dollars. And then I think once its permit is granted in early 2021, I think the company is taken out. And if gold is where I think it will be, and I'll I'll, I'll risk making a fool of myself here by making predictions. If gold is north of 1700, 1800 in late 2020, early 2021, you can expect that premium to be pretty significant. For Midas Gold, again, it sits there at 62 cents, 63 cents closing today. Um, that's just a no-brainer. World-class deposit, world-class exploration potential, great grade, which means great margins, um, a, a, a potential suitor in Barrick that's looking for exactly what Midas has as far as the type of rocks. So that to me is as easy a pick as one can make in the business that we're in. Um, I'll give you a few more here in just a bit. Nick, would you like to opine on that? I know you're, you're, you're also a fan of Stephen Quinn, uh, the CEO of Midas Gold. So I'll let you, I'll let you chime in there. Well, it's a name that we mentioned a lot. And 
I was going to read you a line from a letter I got from Joe Mazumdar and, and Brent Cook this morning. They sent out one of their um, free exploration insights um, missive. So it, I'm not giving anything away. This isn't part of their paid newsletter that they sell, but they're talking about obviously all the M&A that has gone down recently and it's gotten people excited and they put a chart in there of um, what the acquisition cost per ounce was for the recent um, companies and assets that have been acquired, Boritica, Detour, um, Red Lake, et cetera, Masawa with my, with my, with my favorite company there, Tarango, which I've told you about before. But anyway, they go on to say that um, the next round, and I'm quoting now, the next round of mergers and acquisitions may continue to target the following. Um, and then they have two bullet points of types of assets that could be acquired. And the second bullet point is high margin development projects that could add reserves to major producers beyond their 10 year profile. Um, and you can't help but think of Midas when you when you read about that criteria for what um, highly prospective takeout candidates look like. I mean, if you were if you were putting together a slide deck, I'm not sure you could come up with one that was um, better than some of the superlatives that. Midas offers as far as the things you mentioned, cost of production. I think they use 1200 or 1250 in the in the pre-fees. That's about to be um, updated. Uh, jurisdiction, right? Um, strategic investors, the Suter and Barrick, Paulson on board, as you said, Franco Nevada coming in. And now I'm the broken record guy because I've said all these things before, <laughs> but um, you, you, you can't put it together any better than that. I mean, Franco Nevada is in there. Barrick has bought 20% of the company. It's, um, gosh, it's got a critical component in, in antimony and, and critical resources we know are back in favor with all this China and, and Russia stuff. It's got, it just checks all the boxes. And, uh, and the price, as you mentioned, is where it was two years ago. So you talk about going shopping in December, and that was <laughs> certainly one of the things I was buying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you a couple of other smaller names for people to dig into. Um, Nevada Sunrise Gold with a market cap of $2 million and it owns 20% of the Kinsley Project, which has drill results pending from Liberty Gold, which owns 80% of that project. Um, it just sold its 80% interest for, I believe, $7.5 million plus shares um, to, a, to, a, to a company that believes enough in that asset to take out 80% of it. So again, just doing some simple math here, folks. If Nevada Sunrise owns one-fifth of that, and this was $7.5 million U.S., you can do the math and figure out what its 20% interest is worth, right? Oh, and by the way, you have water rights in an area that needs water for lithium development. Oh, and by the way, it's got a very prospective copper-gold target in Nevada, stable jurisdiction. I could go on and on about you know, all of the other freebies that you get with a company like Nevada Sunrise at this point. Um, but the bottom line is the market realizes it's going to need to raise money or come up with a non-dilutive solution um, to continue forward. And so it's getting ahead of it. That's an opportunity um, to, 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 to get in at these lower suppressed levels if you don't have access to a potential financing in the near future. I mentioned Abacus Mining and Exploration earlier. That's another company that that I believe if copper does better, it will do much better. Oh, and it also just picked up a gold project in Nevada as well. So a lot to like there. That one's doubled, you know, in the last week, <laughs> the last couple of days, frankly. So um, actionable names, people. That's, that's really all we can do on that front. Is there anything else that you want to add, Nick, sectors that people should be looking at? I know last week I said lithium. I said copper. Um, some of those names luckily have, have had a good week and, and I think we'll have a great 2020, but you know, gold is the obvious one, right? When we get in a gold bull market, it tends to, to, to lead the other resource or the other commodity sectors along with it. Um, your thoughts on that? No, I'm feeling good about where I am. I've, I've, uh, winnowed my positions down a little bit over the past month. I took some tax, tax loss. I decided to, stop just following companies. You know how you go through your watch list and you see if that company had news or you see what that company is trading at that day. I decided I just finally had enough of doing that with a couple companies. So have sort of cleared my conscience a little bit, regained some some focus. And I mean, you can spit out the names, Hand and Metals, Ethos Gold, um, Revival Gold, right? Nevada Sunrise I'm looking at here on my list. Um, I think Palomina is going to have a, a decent mm. year. We haven't talked about Palomina in a while. They just added some leadership, some people with um, deep Rolodexes. Um, and we know that area is coming on. 
Um, K2 so, Gold is another one I want to make sure people are paying attention to. They were very, very quiet. And there's a reason why they were very, very quiet in acquiring what John Robbins, K2, of course, being one of the discovery group companies from John Robbins. But they were very quiet in acquiring the project out in California. Let me be clear that there will be some opposition to this project sooner or later. Um, but John Robbins called this. And again, John Robbins of... You know, you can go back the last couple of decades and, and yep. just check out his success. The most recent one being Great Bear, right? Which went from, you know, 20, 30 cents. It's sitting damn near $9 right now. Yep. John Robbins called the gold project they picked up in California one of the best early stage gold camps he has ever seen. Ever, as in not in 2019, not in this decade, ever. John Robbins has seen a lot of gold camps, folks. So when he says something like that, and I look at the company and it's, 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 it's got some cash and it's got a market cap sub 10 million Canadian. Um, and I have $1,500 gold and I'm bullish on the direction of that. I, I, I get excited and I'm happy to hold it while it does nothing because I think 2020 is going to be a breakout year for that company. Well, I think it's one that uh, people in the know have known was decent because it held up relatively well, right? While there's been carnage in the space over the, the past several years. K2 has had some dips, but it's always come right back around to that 25 cent level. And it's always been able to finance at that 25 cent level. So um, good leadership there, obviously uh, part of the discovery group. And I'd have to also add Chicana. I don't think we've mentioned Chicana yet, but um, waiting for some permits uh, um, in Peru and, and also copper prices starting to go up. We know they have some good targets yet to drill. So um, those are the names, folks. They're they're out there and they're and they're moving up right now. You mentioned carnage and leadership. I want to talk about the most recent church shooting here in Texas, three hours away, just outside of Dallas. Um, have you seen this video yet, Nick? Are you aware of of of, of the shooting at the White Settlement Church? I'm aware of the shooting. I've seen the video. I don't know the shooter. I don't know the context of why the shooter wanted to shoot up this church. But I have seen the video and know that um, a member of the, the church's volunteer security team was able to return fire and kill the shooter. What did you think? And, and before before we move on, let me correct myself. It was uh, in White Settlement is where this happened outside of Dallas at the West Freeway Church of Christ. What did, outside of... The shooter being neutralized, by neutralized, I mean killed, obviously, um, yeah. by the volunteer security at the church. Were there any other takeaways from that video? And I I, I know I'm asking you a rhetorical question here because I'm pretty sure what your answer is going to be, but I, I, I want the answer. I, I mean, there was other armed people there, right? I mean, guns came out very quickly. We know Texas is a, is an open carry state, as, as I understand it, and, and we hear the lines Again and again from the NRA and, and the pro-gun camp of that only a, a person with a, a good guy with a gun can can stop a, a bad guy with a gun. And I don't know, it, it, you get into a big debate when you start talking about that, right? And I know I'm sort of not answering your rhetorical question, but um, we talk about should we have guns in schools and churches? And, and in this case, it seems like um, it was able to, to, to likely save lives. And the bigger question is, well... There's obviously a bigger, deeper issue going on if we have to have good guys with guns in churches and, and schools. And that might be a debate we can have another day. But in this case, I think the guns in the church probably saved some lives. In this case, the guns in the church absolutely saved lives. In this case, um, the guns in the church absolutely allowed for everybody that was in that church except for the two people that were killed. Um, there were a total of three people killed. The gunman, the suspect who was from Dallas um, and had a criminal history, uh, and, and, and two people that, 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 that unfortunately were killed. But this could have been much worse. Here are my takeaways, and this is where I was trying to go. The first thing I'll notice is that the gunman pulled out a shotgun. It wasn't one of the semi-automatic rifles. That Let me be clear. I believe um, in the Second Amendment, and I believe that Everybody that can legally own one of those has a responsibility to because in the current environment we're in, in the United States, you're almost at a disadvantage if you don't have one, especially at home. That's just a fact, right? I wish we lived in a world where you didn't have to have a handgun and a shotgun and a semi-automatic rifle. 
um, and everything else. But that's not the world that we live in. And like you said, we could have the debate as to why another day. But the first thing that I noticed is that the gunman pulled out a shotgun. Had he had a semi-automatic rifle, it would have been a very different story. If you go back and look at that video, people, and a lot of a lot of uh, the the live stream video that was online has now been taken down. But if you know, if if, if you search and you really want to find it, be forewarned. You're going to see some dead people. You're going to see some shooting from a distance. Um, but if you if you see the video, the gentleman pulls out a shotgun and is pointing it at the minister. There is a gentleman to the left, an older gentleman, and unfortunately, he was one of the people that lost his life, um, who was sitting there and. He reaches for his gun, which he had, I'm assuming, in the holster near his back. And and unfortunately, the mistake that he made, and it cost him his life, is it, he took too long reaching for it, and he stood up as he reached. So the gunman had time to see him reach and, and, and just killed him on the spot, right? The guy never was able to draw his weapon. That's what allowed the security officer to the left, you know, to kind of draw on him and, and, and get a good shot. And, and again, that, that gentleman is a hero, um, an absolute hero, a gentleman by the name of Jack Wilson. Um, and so, you know, he, he, he saved many, many, many lives, but if it had been a semi-automatic rifle, everybody in that front row is getting shot automatically. And it would have, you know, that the five to 10 seconds it took to kill this gunman would, would, would not have been, it would not have been a, a pretty picture. That's the first, um, the first takeaway was the shotgun versus the semi-automatic rifle and the difference it made in casualties. The second one was, unfortunately, one of the casualties was a result of the gentleman being armed, a citizen, private citizen, and, and reaching to protect everybody else. And, and unfortunately, um, it cost the man his life. Um, the third thing that's really interesting to me, and living, living in Texas, I keep track of this stuff, obviously, is the only reason that people are allowed to carry guns in church is because of a law that went into effect September the 1st. So prior to September the 1st, it was really up to the ministry and the congregation, and, 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 and you couldn't do it. It was illegal. Um, the reason that law was passed was in response to a mass shooting earlier in the year here in Texas. And so it's just this nasty, vicious cycle of, okay, we don't address the root of the problem. We don't address, you know— what really is causing all of this? You know, there's just a, there's a report out saying that U.S. mass killings hit a new high in 2019. Most of the mass killings were shootings. Um, and, and this is with, with data going back to the 1970s, right? And I'll put a link up to that article. It was um, in the AP today, AP News. But we don't, we don't ever really get in this country to the root or the cause of the problem. We just add laws that arm everybody some more. And my point to everyone else, it's kind of like, this is going to be an ugly comparison that's going to piss people off. It's kind of like the debt situation in America, right? In America, we're never going to pay off the debt that we already have as a country, the deficit. It's mathematically impossible, right? Without severe money printing. So why not get some free college education at this point? Why not get free medical at this point? If the end game is going to be that we default in one way or the other. Why continue to do the defense spending that we do and, and then on the other side of it, not justify education or healthcare or mental health or any of the other things that we could be, you know, redirecting this money if we're not going to pay it back anyway. And it's the same with the gun situation. At this point, back to my original point, if you are not armed in the United States, you are at a, a severe disadvantage, whether it's you, your family, um, loved ones. This is America right now in 2019 going into 2020, and I don't see this as a trend that um, recedes. I see this as something that's going to continue to accelerate, unfortunately, unfortunately. Anyway, that's my rant on that. I don't have much of a response. I mean, the, the Constitution is a seemingly enshrined document. What I can do is get a bit more, I guess, 30,000 feet on this thing, and it's like, I've talked before about imagined realities. I gave a talk once about how things that we think are fixed in our lives or that we accept as absolute really aren't. It's just that our lifespans are so short and in, 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 you know, relative to the, the universe and, and geologic time um, that we think our experience is the, is the only concrete experience, right? And I talked about 
past documents like the Constitution, like Hammurabi's code and how, you know, you could literally, you know, take somebody's eye for fucking your wife or, you know, whatever it was. Not to be confused with Haramba. <laughs> That's right. Not to be confused with the gorilla. No. Continue. Apologies, Nick. <laughs> well, th- that's it. And we talk about gun rights and how it's enshrined in the Constitution. And, and we have a right as an Americans. And that's sort of what the debate always comes back to. Even, um, you know, myself as a as a Second Amendment supporter and a, and a gun owner. But and, you know, I'm going to go to the fourth turning, Gerardo, Absolutely. because what has to happen, should. what has to happen is um, we have to be far enough removed from history that. Um, a majority or at least a large enough of of a majority that can enact change says, so what what that thing says? That was 200 years ago, right? Or whatever it was. Just like Hammurabi's code doesn't matter anymore because it was over a thousand years ago. Um, And you have to get a new generation in there that sees the problem differently and can tackle it differently and will bring new solutions. And unfortunately, as I've said, uh, numerous times, we're just not there yet with the millennials. And that's why Trump is going to win in the election next year. Um, but it's why I think things will start to be very different in the in the middle part of this decade. And, and things are slow going, right? And you think they're never going to happen, just like you think resource stocks are never going to go up. And then boom, it happens. There it is. And that's just sort of the way things go. So there'll be a, a critical mass at some point where millennials um, outweigh the the votes of, of boomers and we'll start to see change. And that's just really all it comes down to in my mind. Speaking of change, I noticed that you wanted to talk about whether a man had a baby. I did want to talk about that, Jordo. <laughs> have you seen the article? That I have not. I'm very curious um, because from everything that I've heard and read and frankly practiced in my lifetime, <laughs> that can't happen. Right. And this goes, we've had this discussion before about (laughs) peaches and fruit. And I don't care if you like bananas or you like peaches (laughs) or if you think you have a peach or you think you have a banana or you should have a banana. That's not what this is about. (laughs) This is about a story um, out of the UK that says it was in the Daily Mirror and it's been making the rounds ever since yesterday. I've been seeing it everywhere. I even got it in my group text for my college buddies today. So it's definitely making the rounds. And the headline is this transgender man gives birth to non-binary partner's baby. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, hold on. I'm not done. done. (laughs) Okay. You know, I'm going to make you say it again. I'll start over. Transgender man (laughs) gives birth to non-binary partner's baby with female sperm donor. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's the headline oh man i think i had to engage both parts of my brain for the images that were popping up as you were describing this headline um let me break it down for you please Trans- do so before my head explodes <laughs> transgender man gives birth okay um it, it's not a man it's a woman she has a womb she has ovaries she just believes herself to be a man so not not a man so she identifies <laughs> as a man yeah, Got it, it should say woman woman who identifies as a man gives birth. But instead, they just want you to think the man gives birth because obviously that is more woke and gets more clicks. Right. Second part, to non-binary partner's baby. That doesn't even fucking matter. The other partner didn't give the egg. She didn't give the <laughs> sperm. She wasn't involved at all. It's just more wokeness. We had to get in the headline that the, the partner was non-binary. It, but it doesn't fucking matter because biologically she wasn't even involved. <laughs> Let's get to the female sperm, sperm donor, which clearly wasn't a female because females can't donate sperm. Uh, <laughs> it's a man who identifies as a female that gave the sperm. So really, just a woman gave birth. <laughs> <That's what laughs> <happened. clears throat> with, with sperm from a man. That, that's what happened. Oh, man. Imagine if they all would have met before they identified as something else. It would be like a normal story. Man donates sperm to woman. Woman gives birth. But you get why it's making the <laughs> Of course. I mean, this is the year of like wokeness, right? I think, you know, some website said woke was the term of the year, right? So this is just so like 
God, I got to steal from Obama. This is like hope he changed you, right? We got the transgender man and the non-binary partner and the female sperm donor. And even the fucking doctor was transgender. It's like the most <laughs> fucking birth in the history of woke births. I'm really curious to see how this baby turns out. Except for the fact that <laughs> they try to position it like a man gave birth from a woman's sperm, which is fucking biologically impossible. So... I get that you want to include these people and that you want to accept these people in society. And I'm all for that. Absolutely. But let's, As but am let's, I. let's not convolute biological facts and make people think that men can give birth and female can donate sperm. That's not the way to include these people. That's the way to turn off people like me who think rationally about the world. That's not the way to position this. Right. Um, and so I'm going to go on because I saw some other tweets. There was like, and I have to dig it back up to post a link, but like, I don't know, somebody was supposed to go on somebody's podcast to talk about this, but that one person tweeted that um, a female, uh, a man can't give birth. And so she was canceled. She got canceled. She wasn't allowed to go and talk on this podcast <laughs> because the person's, the person's staff who hosted the podcast felt unsafe because she tweeted that women can't give birth. Think about that. Oh, the person tweeted a fact. Women can't give birth. And that made that made other people feel unsafe. Fact, a fact, made the other people feel so unsafe that she couldn't come on their podcast because she they didn't want them in their in her building because she doesn't agree with them. Wow. They're scared that she doesn't agree with them. Yeah, that's why they feel unsafe. It's a fact. It's a fucking fact, Gerardo, that a man cannot give birth. Don't come at me with that shit. You're not here for the fake outrage, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we got a growl out of Nick. <laughs> Keep going. I know you got some more. I've no, heard the growl before. <laughs> Men can't give birth. Females can't donate sperm. Full stop. Everybody, I hope that 2020 is the year that we go back to fact-based conversation. I am all about how, how you... Digit. I got to keep going. I'm I sorry. knew it. I told you. I decided to poke the bear a little more. <laughs> So I was watching Meet the Press yesterday because I watched Meet the Press on Sundays and and Chuck Todd is in a really good mood, right? Because Trump just got impeached. So he's really feeling it. He's he's recapping the year and he actually gets on a topic which is quite prescient. He's talking about the convolution of facts, which is kind of where I wanted to take this story. And I forgot because my fake outrage got the better of me. I, I brought you um, back. I knew that's where saying, you were headed. <laughs> he was saying that we're to a point now where facts are so obscured and he, you know he played clips of people on his show he played one of rudy giuliani talking about the russians saying truth is not truth and that was like the quote that chuck todd kept using yeah truth is not truth rudy was saying you might remember when he said that yep. and that's sort of where we are these lobbying firms corporations politicians political action committees etc 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 the russians if you want to go down that route with the social media and the fake news whatever it is um have flooded have flooded the internet with so many stories and so many opinions and so many angles that you can't discern what the truth is anymore. So you click on an article that says a man give birth. And my longtime friend texts me and says, you see this dude with a dick gave birth. And I had to say, are you fucking kidding me, dude? He can't give birth. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lawyer for fuck's sake. Oh, Again, I hope 2020 is the year where we go back to having fact-based conversations. I don't care about your political party. I don't care about your allegiances to whoever you feel you need to have allegiances to. I don't care about your ideology. I don't care where you went to school. I don't care where you live. Can we just deal in facts when we're having factual conversations? And can we do that in a way that allows us to not be offended, right? That shouldn't be that difficult. Um, but you are 100% right, Nick, that we are so far removed from being able to even disagree civilly. Um, that again, it, I bringing it back to the fourth turning, and I encourage everybody to read the book, it's going to take a seismic shift in opinions that I believe only the youth can bring about in looking at this and saying, this is fucking madness. You guys are fucking idiots. I mean, I, I just got done listening to the president of the United States, the president of the free world. And again, fuck your politics. You know, I don't care who you're going to vote for, who you voted for, what party you associate with. This guy's a fucking idiot. You know, he, he gets up there and starts talking about windmills and how, you know, did you see the speech on windmills? 
I did not. I saw I saw oh. some some lines about it, but I didn't see the speech. It. I mean, it, he started talking about how nobody knows more about windmills than 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 he does because he studied them extensively. Um, <laughs> and here, let, 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 let me just say exactly what he said. He starts by saying, "Here we go." I never understood wind is how he starts. You know, I know windmills very much is his very next comment. Let me start over for you people. His very first comment is, I never understood wind. And his very next one is, you know, I know windmills very much. But they're... (laughs) (laughs) I'll continue. (laughs) But they're manufactured tremendous, if you're into this, tremendous fumes. Gases are spewing into the atmosphere. You know we have a world, right? So the world is. T- I'm still. I'm, I'm still quoting the president. So the world is it's tiny. Insane. So the world is tiny compared to the universe. So tremendous, tremendous amount of fumes and everything. You talk about the carbon footprint. Fumes are spewing. He says into the air, right? Spewing. Whether it's in China, Germany, it's going into the air. It's our air, their air, everything, right? The. <laughs> I don't even know. First of all, it's word salad. I feel dumber for having listened to it, but I don't know what his point is still. It gets better. So they make these things and then they put them up. And if you own a house within a vision of some of these monsters, your house is worth 50% of the price. They're noisy. They kill the birds. (laughs) He says, you want to see a bird graveyard? You just go take a look. A bird graveyard. Go under a windmill someday. You'll see more birds than you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> this is the president of the United States, guys. This is the guy that's preventing, you know, uh, World War III and is, and is keeping our data safe and our, our, our state secrets safe and is advancing our economy. And although I agree with him on China, um, you know, this is somebody that clearly, guys, clearly has no concept of reality. And the scary thing is the people that are quote-unquote loyal to this guy just because he's a Republican, which he's really not. The guy's been divorced three times, paid for more abortions than probably any of us know anybody has ever had. Um, I could go on and on and on and on, right? But he's not a Republican. Um, he hasn't drained the swamp. He's hired more lobbyists than anybody um, you know, three years into his presidency, um, he, I, I could go on forever. Everything about how he presents himself is completely untrue or doesn't match with reality. And then you have, again, and I just picked one quote. I, I could continue. I, I could find, you know, <laughs> quotes on any number of subjects, but this is the world we live in. People gobble this shit up is my point. And we have to get to a point sooner or later in society where we go, no, 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 no. This shit isn't stable. This isn't right. How, how, how are we going to raise better kids and create a better future and a, a better society if we defend shit like this? I mean, that's an indefensible snippet of text or jargon or whatever you want to call it. Again, I still don't know what his point is. And, and <laughs> I, I'm going to go macro again because I, I don't want to get lost in the minutiae. I mean, Trump's like an indicator, right? I mean, he's like a bottom indicator for the country. He's got to be. And and, and so, (laughs) I mean, a contrarian signal on intelligence. Exactly right. I mean, and none of that makes any sense. If you, if you've spent any time looking at the energy picture, or if you happen to write energy investing for dummies, you would know that um, (laughs) we we need everything. Like what I did there. Did you see that? Shameless plug. Go get the book. Mr. Nick Hodge himself wrote. It's a bestseller. You know that we need all forms of energy, right? Like um, nuclear can't do it all, oil can't do it all, gas can't do it all, solar can't do it all, coal can't do it all, especially when you add in, um, let's call them fumes, the fume situation. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. Um, If you do take into account the fumes, of course there are going to be trade-offs, right? Because you need baseload, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I could give you the fucking 101, but Jesus Christ, you got baseload from coal and now increasingly natural gas, but you have the trade-off with the emissions there. Nuclear emission-free, but you got the big political football, not in my backyard hurdle. 
Um, and we should say that that's starting to erode. I've been reading more and more articles from environmentalists. And you say, Gerardo, when can we just bring facts to the debate and not emotions? And, and nuclear is a good um, test bed for that, right? Because we know that um, for a while it's just been emotional with environmentalists opposing nuclear, um, when in reality they should be very comfortable bedfellows because nuclear is safe and it's clean, it doesn't emit um, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've been reading more articles about um, envi from environmentalists saying, you know, nuclear has to be a part of this equation um, and not to get off on too long of a nuclear tangent, but um, increasingly um, small nukes are available to power like, well, ships, obviously, but also small neighborhoods or factories, um, things like that. And in the past two weeks, and I don't want to give too much away because I got some newsletter marketing to do, but I've been seeing <laughs> lots more uh, about nuclear fusion, like popping up a lot in the scientists mm -hmm. from yep. Europe, uh, tests going on in 2020 in, in China. And on the one hand, I mean, fuck, that's great. I mean, uh, fusion energy is like the holy grail of energy, right? Um, uh, a, a reaction that <laughs> you get more out of than you put more into. I mean, it completely turns um, energy creation on its on its um, on its head, and so, gosh, I kind of forgot where I was going with that. Oh, because the other thing is that it's scary, right? right. Because if you have free energy, <laughs> you know what 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 does that make of your oil and gas investments and your your other uranium investments and and things like that? And, and that's probably a topic for another day. But all that to say, gosh, we need to get other voices in this narrative besides Trump's, and I'm starting to see them crop up more and more. And the final place I wanted to take this and, and sorry to take the topic away from you. I hope you're ready. No, to, no, to no. Move. I'm glad you brought some fucking sanity and reason to, again, fucking nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's not, it's funny, not funny. Like listening to that. I mean, it's just complete nonsense. I mean, that was not, that was gibberish, Gerardo. I mean, that was gibberish. <laughs> I don't know. No, 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 no. Please, please continue. And and again, if, if if you're speaking to someone that just defends this because they just like Trump, imagine how you have to start a conversation explaining how it really works. That in itself would take half an hour. Right. And if they had the capacity to understand or even wanted to hear it. Right? That And that's the point right there. <laughs> that's the point. You got it. You got it. So what's the way forward? Now, give us an educated uh, way forward. Um, approach some some practicality oh gosh man so fuck we got to tax corporations i mean that's Thank where i was you. gonna take it Thank i was you. gonna take it to, i was gonna take it to taxes because yep, yep. um the, the the reports are coming out now about yep. <laughs> the, the, the recent trump tax break and and how much these corporations paid um and i'm just gonna read you two bullet points and this is from the and i'll post a link institute on taxation and economic policy so they evaluated 379 profitable companies um that paid an effective federal income tax rate oh wait sorry oh they took 379 yep. companies they were all profitable the yep. average tax rate they paid was 11.3 percent on yep. average the 379 companies paid 11 percent yep 11 percent repeat that 90. again that last one please repeat that because that's important what the, the very last point that you just said high, highlighting how many companies paid just 11 percent 379 profitable companies paid a tax rate an effective federal income tax rate of 11.3%. And we're talking that's, the biggest companies, just to be clear. Yes. Yes. That's and that's only half of what the um of the statutory 21% tax. Of those 379 people, uh or sorry, corporations, which I guess are people, 91 of them did not pay any income tax. Zip zero, zero. zilch. And we're talking about the big ones here. Amazon, yep. Chevron, yep. Halliburton, yep. IBM. And so when I when I listen to the debates, and I'm going to talk about the Democrats for a second. We just ragged on Trump for a little bit. Let me rag on the other side. And I Absolutely. hear them wanting wanting to tax high-income people. And I hear Pete Buttigieg say, if you're lucky enough to be in the top 10%, then you should pay for college. But the other 90% shouldn't. Fuck you, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> You know, it's not about the people here. And if it is about the people, I'll say once again, I've said it a hundred times, it's the 0.001%. It's not the 10%. It's not the 1%. People in the 1% 
Um, and fuck, I'll tell you, it's me. Worked very hard to get there. Like yep. came from nothing. Came yep. from parents that didn't have college education. Ditto. Fuck you if you're if you're lucky enough to be in the ten percent, Pete Buttigieg. What are you talking about, lucky? Ditto. That's what's wrong with this country. It's not luck. You got to be willing to take risk. You got to educate yourself. You got to produce things that other people want. And so you got to work this, harder for less because that is a, the immigrant spirit that this country was founded on, right? Escaping religious persecution, the right to free speech, and the ability to work harder for less until you can make more. That's the way it goes, except now it's skewed a little bit, right? Because now the conversation, and I'm going to let you get right back to it, Nick, because I know where you're going with it, but this is important to point out. The conversation that the Democrats are having is about taxing billionaires when the real conversation should be about taxing the top 500 companies that are getting away with absolute murder when it comes to tax avoidance in this country. And, and, and that, that is tax revenue that they should legitly be contributing to society that is being taken away from society. That's what the conversation should be. And instead we have Elizabeth Warren just picking on select billionaires because it's easy to play the shell game when you can have a billionaire rich white guy target that you can poke at when the real conversation should be as AOC has said. About corporations. No doubt. And I'm glad you know where I'm going because yep. I have no idea where I'm going. <laughs> I, know you, I know where to go. Go. <laughs> I, I'll try to go. Um, and so the money that we need to, 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 to help make this country better, infrastructure, better education for our kids, the things you were just talking about, um, it has to come from these corporations that are raking in record profits and are paying zero taxes and this is the third leg, and this is where I'm going to stop, are getting preferential treatment from the government and the Federal Reserve in the form of cheap money policy. So they're getting all this cheap money, and they're not even reinvesting it, as we've talked about, as I've written about, as other people have written about, not reinvesting it in their businesses, not reinvesting it in their employees, but using it to buy back stock, right? And so they have just this accommodative policy from the from the government and the Fed that allows them to profit, that in turn allows them not to pay tax. Um, and then they just, that 0.001% and the corporations just keep getting richer. And I got to talk about the revolving door and the banks for a second too, because the people who allow these rules while they're in public office then go to work for these corporations in private practice. Mm -hmm. And so you got people like Geithner who was given out TARP, you know, he's now at like a, a I don't know where he is. I'll, I'll research it and I'll post a link, but it's a financial institution. Or you got like PIMCO who received a ton, like the most um, loans given out by the Fed under Bernanke's tenure. Well, where does Bernanke work now, right? He works at PIMCO. Yep. And so this, this is like the revolving door and this is the cycle. This is the Illuminati. This is the Council on Foreign Relations. This is the tinfoil hat stuff. It's the 0.001% that fuck Epstein's girls and manipulate bond rates and continue to get away with it. Agreed. And so where were you, where you were going <laughs> to summarize up, to summarize the whole, the whole point here is it's almost as if corporations have hijacked upward mobility from 99.999% of American society, and I'll just keep it US-centric for, for the sake of this argument, it's almost like they've hijacked upward mobility, the, 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 the cornerstone of America, what it was built on, right? It's why people come to this country, my, my ancestors, your ancestors, Nick, it's why you busted your ass, it's why I've busted my ass and continue to, right? But it's almost as if corporations have hijacked this country's upward mobility and made it just for themselves. Well said. I appreciate you. I appreciate you leading me to pasture. <laughs> In brighter, happier news, everybody, the FDA has approved an Ebola virus. Have we talked about this yet? We have, and that's the context. The European Union uh, approved it a couple of months ago. Now the FDA has approved it, there makes it, it legit and global, and we got an Ebola um, vaccine. That was my positive story from a, a couple of weeks ago, but gosh, there's many more positive stories now. We have the holidays. We've been home with our family. My two-year-old just had a birthday. 
resource stocks are going up. There's lots of positives going around. A lot of good stuff going on. I am looking forward to next week's podcast. I think last year we started the year by giving out some awards. We gave out some nice people awards like best IR person, best CEO, um, you know, best performing company. And, 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 you know, we talked about the future and, you know, then we gave, we, we gave some awards that, that maybe weren't so nice, but it's probably because companies didn't do very nice things for their shareholders. And so I'm looking forward to doing that again next week, everybody. In the meantime, I want to make sure um, that I highlight one last point because we talked about it off air, Nick. It's very interesting to me that gold is as robust as it is at 1515, despite the 10 year up at 190 right now. And so I, for, for those of you that are kind of like, you know, not economy geeks, but just numbers geeks and chart geeks like I am, go and uh, go, go, go and compare uh, the 10 year in the last two years of it, and then transpose that or juxtapose it with gold the past two years. And you can see a, a break here in the last couple of weeks that I think is pretty significant. Typically what's been happening is, is when the 10 year goes, goes, you know, above a buck 50, a buck 60, it gold, gold goes down. And that's been true all year this year. It's interesting to me that this past week gold has managed, uh, to, to, to increase in price along with the 10 year. Um, it's going to be an interesting 2020, everybody. A lot of volatility. Um, the Euro's re recently poked its head up a little bit. Um, even the Canadian loonie has poked its head up a little bit. I don't think that's sustainable. Anyway, 2020 is going to be fun. It's going to be volatile. I'm looking forward to it. I agree with you, Nick. I think we're going to have a much better year in the resource sector, and I think that's already underway. So I think we gave a lot of names for people to go do due diligence on. I think we ranted enough <laughs> about men not being able to have babies and you know, corporate America hijacking upward mobility in this country, which is absolutely true and affirmed by the United States Supreme Court with the Citizens United ruling. And these are all things that we're going to have to revisit if we are to make a way forward in this country that is sustainable. If not, you're going to get what is happening in France right now where millions of people are protesting the bullshit that their government has put them through for, you know, at least one or two generations. So um, expect more of that as well. Anything to add, Nick? No, look at you juxtaposing stuff. I, I I like to hear you using that that big word. I know it's one of your favorites. But no, that was well said. I think that was a... <laughs> That, that was a fantastic discussion. I'll have to go back and and revisit the awards we gave out at the beginning of this year, and I'll be ready to talk about um, ones for next year. And no, that's it. Nothing to add. Have a happy new year, everybody. We'll, we'll talk to you again next week. Happy new year, everybody. Wishing you all the best health, um, hopefully wealth. I know these corporations are making it hard as all hell. Keep working hard out there, people. And most important, make some good times and some good memories, hopefully with some good people and, and keep people close. Uh, Take care of each other. Be good to each other. This is episode 50 of Bizarro World. Have a good one, y'all. Happy New Year. See ya.